The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. (laughs) You are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Well, welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and to my left, I can't believe it. Oh. After three months, Billy, I candy Kimsey. Making ladies say goo goo like a goo goo supreme. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's been sorely missed. <laughs> What I what I have to say though, Billy, is that what about the what about the uh, the dudes? You know, you're just like oh, like the, for the ladies, <laughs> <laughs> like you don't think goo goo's are for dudes? <laughs> not his goo goo's. Yeah, not his goo goo's are yeah, for women. Exactly. Only. <laughs> so I feel like that could be the uh, candy for this podcast. Yeah, because the the slogan is "What a cluster." <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Oh, and I got a new nickname for Charlton. Are you ready? Oh, jeez. Oh, no. Tiziana gave it to. Oh, that's true. I heard it. Charlton, Big Daddy. Big Daddy Carter. (laughs) (laughs) Big Daddy. Behind the glass, Rocket Man, Andy Bishop. And to my right, Sarita the Edge, Edgerton. What's up? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. We went to that Berean Bible Church conference, you know, full preterist conference for people that are not full preterists. They let me uh, in. (laughs) We have a a special guest that I'm going to be announcing here in just a minute. Um, which yeah, related. Some, some, no, I mean, some of the full preterists, you know, aren't going to be happy about the fact that I even have him on the show, but uh, I've got to know him. I really like this guy. I do. I like him a lot. Um, we'll see how we are after the, I don't know. He said that he's going to start a small <laughs> land war in, on Facebook. So we'll see how that works. Pew, yeah, pew, pew, and he's got pew, a lot pew. of followers that are with him that are like, yeah, bring it. <laughs> you know? It's like the mob and pitchforks are outside. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was like, I'm going to try to keep it civil here. We're going, I'm going to try to. Nah, we just love all y'all up in here. But so what did you think of the conference? Let's talk about that for just a second. Then we'll introduce our guests. Um, everybody was super nice. Yeah. Super kind. Um, it was my first time actually being called a heretic, like to my face. I'd been called that on Facebook a couple of times. They called you that at the conference? No, like from the pulpit. <sighs> he called anybody who's not a full preterist borders on heresy, which is, I now see how y'all feel when people say that about y'all. Um, so I don't remember that. Yeah, Somebody said that it behind was the Michael, It was Mike Sullivan, I think. Oh, I did not hear that. Yeah. But that's okay. Well, because it didn't pertain to you. It just flew right what over did, your head. What did, what did because I'm not a heretic so, there. So yeah. what did we learn about uh, the word heresy? It's just meaning you believe something outside of whatever the norm whatever is. is and at that place, the norm was full preterism. And they knew I was preterist and not a preterist. And well, I don't know. I think I do believe some things happened in the past. So technically, that makes me a little bit of a preterist. But everybody was nice. Everybody was kind. Can I say though that it, like, like being around you guys, it has made me go and read some more scripture, and I have sort of dug my heels in on my beliefs. Yeah. So. And even discussing with my husband, preparing for uh, our guest to be here, yep. we were watching some debates and reading some of his Facebook posts and um, trying to to figure out, you know, where he was, listen to a couple podcasts that he was on. Um, and we keep mysterious, he. Um, but, you know, just trying to figure out 
my husband and I are coming to, he's kind of coming to where I believe. And so that we're, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to hear different people the way they believe. And yeah, they didn't try to like indoctrinate I me, mean, like induct me in and make me go through anything while I was at the conference. So it was good. Yeah. What about you, Rick? Did you enjoy it? I did. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, you learn some things when you start begin to hang around, get to hang around people, people you like. Sure. And, uh, I think some of the messages were pretty cool mm-hmm. and pretty enlightening for me anyway. My favorite part, now nothing against the speakers, but my favorite part was meeting our youngest, our youngest they fan. They were so cute. Oh, that was cool. She texted me this week, by the way. Did she? How young is the youngest fan? How old is she? Is she 12 or There 14? was a 12 and a 10-year-old. Yeah. And they actually sent me some wow. questions for our We gave them lots of, they did? They did. They got some, they got a lot of free merch. They did. Yes, they pretty did. cool. They did. Well, let's bring our guest on. Yep. So, um... The author of Why I Left Full Preterism uh, is a book that actually he has given me, which uh, I plan on reading tonight because uh, I'm going to be meeting with him tomorrow all day. So I want to, uh, I have two copies if anybody else wants to read it overnight um, to get prepared. No, I mean, just I, a short read, just light read, whatever. Just <laughs> I know Rick will do it though. I know he's not. Anyway, but um, welcome, Dr. Sam Frost. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Eat that mic, sir. Bring it all up in there. Thank you for having me. <laughs> He's a man known for his subtlety. That's what we're seeing here today. Yeah. But I do have to say that you're not nearly as intimidating in person as you seem to be on social yeah. media. So it's when I saw you in the picture last night, I was like, oh, he looks like normal. Guy. <laughs> Believe he's it or not, not so intimidating. He really is. Actually, he's a very nice man. What's up here that I is... have a scar on my finger. Did Rick slam um, it in the door? No, <laughs> this was uh, years ago and it was a... We grew up in a family of dogs. My sister was a great dog lover. So, Basset Hound, beautiful dog. Go up to it to pet, and it just decided it was not a good left day me a for scar. a pet. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, uh, drew blood and everything, hit the bone. So, you know, don't let the looks fool you. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a yeah, gotcha. But we went down to Lake Lure yesterday, and he he got us uh, Holly to take a picture of us by the lake there, and. It really, really drove it home that I need to lose some weight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because no, all he, the pictures yeah. that we took at the conference, yeah. I was like, I got to lose some weight. So I'm down five pounds yeah. and six inches, and I am on my way. Yeah, so wow. you can do it. Camera Let's do it. It's about 30 pounds. Yeah, was you, blo- nice try. Was you blocking the lake? <laughs> like you couldn't see the lake? Like, move What's, Rick uh, so we can see the lake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Let's take a picture. They're like, who's that dude that's blocking the view? I have yeah. to say on that that I have very, very high... Metabolism. So this morning I had um, four pop tarts. I had three chocolate chip cookies, a Subway, and a what? chocolate milk. <laughs> I'm not on any diet at all. So wow. just, how's your sugar? I just burn it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> for me, I don't know. For me, I d- I have a. Uh, I gained ten pounds just listening yeah. to that. Yeah. Everything I just lost, I gained. Pop tarts I got yesterday. Yeah, you did. And so my mom, my mom always like you know clean your plate. Mm. Oh. And so as I got older, the plates just got bigger. And yeah. now, you know, he watched, we had, we had breakfast together. I cleaned that plate. We had dinner together. I cleaned that cleaned plate. plate. And his, so his plate or your yeah. plate or both? And, and everybody. Plate. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and Bob, Bob Crookshank said, yeah, you know, I was like, maybe, I said, maybe I should try smaller plates. He said, ah, you'll just get more than one plate. Yeah. <laughs> right. So Dr. Frost, I'm really, I'm really interested. I'd like to hear your personal testimony. And I, and I've asked you already um, 
you know, I prefaced on our drive over here that I'd like to know a lot about like your upbringing and how you, uh, I know you love church and you love churches and church buildings and things like that. And, uh, and I do too. And so take it away. Tell me where, where are you from and, and tell us, tell us your story. No, that's not your first question. That's pretty the very, I love it. From the yeah, can you tell me well, the first time? What was supposed time? to be his first question? Well, it was so different. Can you tell me the first time you ever heard the name Jesus Christ? I think oh. I know the answer. Yeah, Newcastle, Indiana, Four Square Gospel Church. In my yeah, there it is. Wow. Yeah. yeah very very rarely is that does that get a straight answer? How right. Old? Oh no. Yeah, I oh. grew up. Um, Four Square Gospel Church. I, it's still there, and I know many of the families that are still there that still know me. How old so, and I'm 56. So I'll be 56 May 30th. So 55. And um, the Bible stories. I my mom still has my books that I would draw of the Gospels. So I'm you know four or five years old, and I'm drawing out these whole things, and she still has all of that. So it just was this man on the cross was very interesting. So in Indiana, um, growing up on Main Street. I couldn't have been eight years old. So there's here's one thing you don't want to do in Indiana in the 70s. So this story so fascinated me that uh, my stepfather was a construction, so we had wood, you know, laying around the house and backyard and stuff. So I built a cross, a big giant cross, hmm. and nailed it um, together and then put it up in the front yard, which you don't do in Indiana. You don't put a big giant cross oh. up in the front yard. And <laughs> you, you definitely don't do that. You don't do that down here either. <laughs> so my mom drove up and said, "That can't you be in the front yard of the house, tacky." Um, it just always for Christmas. Uh, I think my I still have that. At uh, nine years old, I wanted the one of the big giant family coffee table. Bible, picture Bible, you know, the big one, they'll choke a mule, the big giant ones, yeah. they make, big family Bibles. So that's all I wanted. So it's just always grabbed me and fascinated me. I never had a, I don't have a conversion experience story. It's just, this is what I believe. And so I stayed with it. Many, well, we can get into that. Sure. Many sure. valleys and highways and things like that. Absolutely. So you grew up in the church. Now, were yeah. were your family just did they were they just parishioners, or were they already of them in the ministry? No, they were just goers. Um, you know, there was divorce in my family, but I had a wonderful stepfather. Um, may he rest in peace. He was just a wonderful person. If you're going to have a stepfather, he's the poster child for it. Uh, but he's Seventh Day Adventist, and so my mom's charismatic Pentecostal, and he's Seventh Day Adventist. Those two don't get along theologically. So I would listen to these two at the dinner table go back and forth and. This, that, and the other. But they loved each other deeply, deeply so. So you can have differences and still love each other. That still worked. That's a real big thing in my theology today, and I think that's probably where some of it was seen as an example, that that is possible. So growing up, uh, there was a lot of that kind of debates. You know, what does the Bible say? The Bible says this. No, you're wrong. It says this. That was very early in my childhood. Yeah. To this day, it still goes on. <laughs> yeah. So as you're growing up, you know, did you, I mean, obviously, you've been involved in the church. Were yep. you involved in your church as a child? Like, did you, you know, did you volunteer or were you a part of anything special at your church as a child? No, not as a child. 
Um, unlike a, an Episcopal or Catholic church, there's no altar boys in a Pentecostal church. It's just mainly the the, the pastor. Right. So, you know, vacation Bible school and Sunday school and all of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. certainly was in attendance for all of that. I remember all of them, all of my Sunday school teachers. So, and growing up in Newcastle, it's a relatively mid-sized, mid-sized small town. Um, so there's a great Christian ethos that's there already. That oh, There's no public school problem because all the public school teachers are Christians. They, they all go to church, you know, so everybody knows each other kind of thing. Um, so it's very family-oriented, very community-oriented. I would say growing up in that time, today, it's that's still intact, largely. Um, so it's very much a church kind of community. Well, and you'd said earlier that you never really had a conversion, but you had just nope. grown up in it. And so growing up, I imagine you were going to a Pentecostal church and not an Adventist church, right? No, never went to an Adventist church, but he had a lot of Adventist books. He also had a book on Greek by Ray Summers, because uh, he went and did a two-year seminary at an Adventist college, so or at an ad, at an Adventist seminary. So he had these books by Ellen G. White and commentaries and all of this bunch of other stuff, and I was pulling those off the shelf, looking through them. Um, Adventism is interesting. Yeah, eschatology built. Yep, um, sure is. I don't know how far you want to get into Adventism. Well, I was just curious. I'm, I'm still I never in your childhood. Yeah. I understand it, but I never went right went that route. What is what is the for the for the peanut gallery? By which I mean me. What's the <laughs> de- defining like a quick defining feature of Adventism? Uh, strict. What feature sticks? Strict Sabbatarianism. They'll go to church on Saturdays. Okay. Um, and then food and dietary laws. They're very strict on that. As far as um, kind of like the uh, Seventh Day Adventist. Seventh yeah, Adventist. that's what he's talking about. Yeah, that's okay. it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I associate it with that. Yep, yep. Not Ad- that's Ad- it. Adventist. Yeah. Okay, um, okay, yeah. They have a big hospital in uh, Orlando. And, they have um, a big hospital here. Yep. Oh, they're, at, you know, Ellen White, um, just history of the impact of, of, of feminine thought, she's one of the first leaders in health and making that very much aware of the, the industry of, you know, you got to eat better. Um she was really a leader, a pioneer in that kind of work. I respect her for that. Um, I mean, she was doing a lot of things, women. This is mid-19th century stuff. Right. So, uh, so she was pioneering in a lot of ways like that. Yep. So in, so you grew up in this Pentecostal church, and so I was going back to when you were a child. So when you said it, when you were talking about conversion, the only reason it sticks in my head is because like in a Baptist church, conversion is a massive thing. Like there is this defining moment that they want the child to have or an adult to have this moment where they have an all at the altar experience or a salvation at your couch or whatever. But when you were growing up, was that even prevalent? Like, did your pastor, was he concerned with that? Did he talk? Oh no, not to me personally, but they had altar calls every Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. And you never never felt compelled to go because I already believed. Yeah. The way I looked at it. And then I was baptized at eight. I still have my certificate and all of that. I yeah. talk with my hands, so please yeah. <laughs> forgive me. It's a motor nerve kind of thing. Yeah, but there was never any. Not that I remember. Right, of course. Now, and so while you're in, I'm talking with my hands too. Char- just so you know, I always Charismatic do. churches make it more a celebration yeah. than 
it, That's it's, a good point. it's interesting that yep. that uh, uh, from the standpoint of a Baptist church, it's more of a silent thing. Mm-hmm. You know, raise your hand, everybody, bow your head, close your eyes. I see that hand. Ra- I see that hand. Yeah. I see that hand. And there was and, no hands. When I was no a kid, hands. when I was a kid, there was no, there was no yeah, bowing was of the, the head, raising there. of the hand when I was a kid. When I was a kid, you had to get out in the mm-hmm. aisle and you had to go to the, down to the altar. And that was a terrifying experience for a child. Like, uh-oh, I have to get in front of everybody. you know. And I know that they started doing the bowing of the head and raising the hand to stop that. But there, there was something you know, about stepping out in the aisle that was like... And then once you did it, because yeah. uh, my conversion happened in a Pentecostal church as well. Mm-hmm. And then once you did it, you went up front. And then you stand there, and yeah. Everybody gets up and comes up and hugs you, and yeah, it says yeah. the yep. yeah, yeah, and it absolutely. makes it now from the standpoint looking at to me that was more impactful because everybody celebrated it with you, right? And it's not as you know at, at times like I would think mentally as a child stepping out into an all you know into an aisleway in front of all of your all of these adults and peers, and you walk down. That is the experience that a lot of these children feel. And by the time they get to the altar, that has already happened. And so asking for salvation may or may not be something that is really happening at that moment. There's something completely else going on in the brain. I can't say that for everyone. I can say that for myself. Because There's a lot of rededication and rededication. Lots of rededication. Of in the, in the Baptist church, well, lots of rededication, yeah. Well, I mean, you're saying you never <laughs> went to the altar, so I'm kind of wondering if you never yeah, rededicated was, yourself yeah. because they encouraged that so much. I think I've rededicated <laughs> myself like, you know, 78 times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, did I you, so, so by also being in Pentecostal, I imagine that there were people speaking in tongues. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. And then, so, I, how about, do you speak in tongues? I did. You did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And is that, um, forgive me, is that a spirit-driven thing, or was that a, a personal mm. thing, or what do you know? Well, we were having this conversation, so That's I why I'm know, bringing it up on the podcast, because you know, we can't, nobody a, knows what we talked about in the car, so we're going to re-talk about it. <laughs> now, I mean, I took my Greek in 91, so now I'm pretty proficient at it so reading it now it's languages yeah it's hard to get around uh that that they're speaking in yeah. languages very very difficult yeah, so you may perhaps the spirit language angelic might there there's a open crack there for that possibility sure um so ecstatic speeches i just looked at it as ecstatic and my peers and those around me were doing it you're caught up in the in the whole movement of it um, these are good, good people, by the way. Yeah, of they're, course. These are not. Oh, and I would never say hard, they're hardworking family. Yeah, family. Good, love the good Lord, people. and they believe yeah. what they believe, and yeah, absolutely. And you get caught up in that, and that's what the Bible teaches. So you add that's what the Bible teaches. Well, they're Everyone caught up in their tradition. That, put yeah, two and two together, you start. Good point. Hola, 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 hola. You know, you start going on with it, and it feels good, and music's great. Uh, the atmosphere is wonderful, and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Sure. Yeah, I hadn't been to one of those services in a long time until recently. I went with Rick Carter to see um, Dr. Lynn Hiles speak, oh. and there was a man that was there, and there was it was great music. And then this man started speaking in tongues. And <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. I was like, not Doctor, not Doctor Hiles at the time, but whoever the the other man was. And I, I just you know looked at it, and I was like, so this is it. Like I've never been in a Pentecostal church like that before. And I was like, oh, all right, you know. I mean, I my, my daughter went on a mission trip when she was eighteen to New York City. And they were doing street missions. And she said, Mom, I'm so excited. We're going to go to Brooklyn Tab. 
because we love Brooklyn Tab music. And oh, so, yes. and so she said, so she calls, I said, well, you got to call me afterwards and tell me, was it the most amazing music? And she comes and I said, was it good? And she's like, the music was good, mom. And then about five people stood up and started running up and down the aisles and speaking in tongue, I guess tongues, because we're Southern Baptists. You don't get up out of the aisle. You don't raise your hand. You don't pray. I mean, you don't, you don't do this when the music. Like Presbyterians, play. yeah. Yeah. And so she's like, it <laughs> the was. Chosen Frozen. Not very <laughs> hey. She said, That's it was good. bizarre. And I said, well, could you understand anything that they were saying? And she said, no. And I said, was there anybody to interpret it for you? And she said, no. And I said, what do you think about that? And she goes, mm, I'm just going to say it was interesting. And so she was very nice to, to not, you know, denigrate their particular beliefs, but it was something that she couldn't back up what, how she felt at 18 was biblically. And so, um, but she said the music was fantastic. She yeah. said it was everything you wanted the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir to be. It was that. Yeah. So she didn't end the story with, and then they brought the snakes out. No, 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 no. She didn't say that, no. That would be about that would 45 be about, miles from here. Yeah, yeah so. that'd be in the middle. I always wanted to see one of those. Well, we can take you if you'd like to go. Oh, man. I know that some people. awesome to see that. There's, a, there's actually, uh, not too far from here, there's a murder mystery uh, about, you know, a pastor of a Pentecostal church that supposedly killed his wife by using these snakes. Oh, no, there's been, that's illegal. Yeah, yeah. Well, Rightly it, so. Sure, um, but he used it as a way to kill his wife, and you know she just didn't have enough faith. You know, I thought of it because my <laughs> wife's genius. allergic to bees, and I thought, you know, if I wanted to, <laughs> my, wife, would, my wife will get this joke. <laughs> oh, okay, I thought that would be <laughs> how she got around the uh, the bees, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you, so she loves honey. She loves honey. I, just lots of honey. Just in the short time that I've been with you, I know that you have a love for the for the Bible, for the scriptures. When did that start? When did that begin for oh, you? Oh, very early. Like I said, you know, drawing these uh, comic books and wanting the uh, coffee table Bible and all of that. I still have some of the children's Bibles that I've got. Um, just just kept them. Uh, just very early. I always just, you know, believed it. I challenged, I challenged it uh, much. So, but just always, always was there. But I'm a skeptic, so I always... I've had wonderful moder uh, mentors in my life, uh, three in the, to date, that, um, you know, in academia, you always tell yourself in the back of your head you're wrong. So you're always challenging, falsifying, I guess, in the other language, but you're always challenging yourself. You know, you're wrong. So I would read a whole lot more philosophy, skepticism, that kind of stuff than I do. Uh, today, I read more of that than I do believers and things of that nature. So, sure. So you get from there. So as a as a child into your early adulthood, you are you're still reading the Bible, still yeah. going to church. At what point did you decide that you wanted to be educated in this? Um, well, that was in uh, we were in Orlando. My family was in Orlando. My mom and my stepfather, um, and they had moved my parent my mom and stepfather had moved to gulf breeze florida up in the panhandle and there was a college there a bible college there and they wanted me to go so i'm graduating Kissimmee high school osceola high school there in orlando so they wanted me to come up there and i had at that point now here's one of those valleys i was in so at 16 17 18 my interest was 
weed and becoming a rock star and Budweiser. Yeah. Those were my three interests in life. So you go through these periods. And um, I was rather good at drums. And I was having a lot of people telling me that I was good at drums. And I really loved drums. I still play as mm-hmm. much as I can today. So that was one of my things. So I was hanging with people that were going to go to Los Angeles. Uh, there's no plan B. Right. This is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be a drummer. That's it. Yeah. So we'll, we'll live in a cardboard box and steal food, and but we're going to make it. That changed when I, there was an automobile accident, um, and my mom directly said, you're not living with your older brother anymore, who had the weed and the Budweiser <laughs> <laughs> and other things. Um, because of that background and uh, being raised, that, so she, you know, 18, you're, you're coming up here to live with us. Mm-hmm. And I started going to this church back again, realizing, you know what? Yeah, I need to stop doing this, uh, drinking and all that other stuff. So that was rededication number thirty-four. Yeah, that was num- <laughs> yeah number thirty-four. <laughs> right. And so I went really went back to this church, and again, um, easily assimilate back into that kind of thinking. And they have a college there, dorm, four-year degree, bachelor of theology degree, and that never stopped. That. The really, and I've told this before, so I'm not, you know, making it this is documented before. I guess I've told it before. It wasn't until my junior year that Dr. Dow Robinson came um, from Summer Institute of Linguistics, which is a very well known outfit for those that are uh, linguists experts. Mm-hmm. And uh, another guy, Dr. Frank Longino from Dallas Theological Seminary. So he, these two came and took me under their wings. It was under Robinson, though, that the bug really bit of theology and philosophy, and it just, a light bulb went off, and I was hooked. I've been hooked ever since on just devouring as much material as I possibly can. Right. Um, a book lover, too many books, um, you know, thousands of books. My wife just... Not a really, you know, bring books. So I here today. Yeah. What yeah, do I do I have on to my ship off you, time? I have to ship you like a box of books that he bought while I was here. I found here. a bookstore and I found a <laughs> box of books. That I, these, so. Um, I'm sorry, Mrs. Frost, but I am shipping it. <laughs> yeah. My wife will let me keep so it. Either. That's just, you know, <laughs> She's not going to accept that delivery. <laughs> yeah. No, she will. Huh. So I have the whole downstairs. That's mine. The Everything else is hers. The rest is mine. The downstairs is mine. So it's at the library. Um, so that is that the background we see when you're on YouTube is the books yes. in the back. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's it. You only need the Bible though. Yeah. <laughs> Spoken like a true Baptist, yeah. right? See, I, I read the part her. of that Bible. I agree with her actually. <laughs> before you get to the, the Genesis, before you get there, there's a lot of pages in between there. And those are the uh, scholars, the scholars and the committees and the guys that Bible. actually put that yeah. thing together. Yeah. Without which you wouldn't have a Bible. Yeah. And then the monks. True. Let's not forget about the monks. So let me ask you this question. So you've made the decision to go into school, and then while you're in there, then you get this idea like, oh, theology, philosophy, this That's is it. what I'm... So it wasn't the intent to become a pastor. It was just learning, or it was just getting an education at the beginning? And Initially, then- I was there to stay out of trouble because my mom wanted me there and enrolled me in this Bible college where she was going to church at, and they had a campus Bible college. Oh, okay. So, oh, okay. And it happened to be a very... It sounds like Providence, honestly, but that in your life at this well, moment. Well, looking back on it, it's definitely, yeah. from my 
perception, it's providence. Yeah. And yeah. so you get, so let's say you get through your four year bachelor degree and yep. then you decide to continue on. Want a scholarship to go get uh, Greek at Cleveland, Tennessee, mm-hmm. Church of God uh, headquarters there. Um, did my Greek there, met uh, Professor French Arrington, excelled at Greek. And um, and you have a love for that language, right? I mean, yeah, it's a wonderful language. Yeah, it's far better in English. Yeah, but, I think yeah. we all agree with that. Yes, here. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how nobody will defend English. <laughs> yeah. We're constantly English saying we don't have the the right word for the Greek word or the the, the, the only, Hebrew word. We just can't. We need a better translation of this word. We can do. We can explain. We won. The we won, and we that's why this language is here. We won. Okay, <laughs> that's why the language. That's right. Here. We won. Right. English is God's language. <laughs> yeah. Adam, Adam spoke English. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's when we read it, there it is. Yeah. That's what he says. That's what I read this morning when I read. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. So you're studying Greek in Tennessee. Yep. And there, uh, of course, the things of life and marriage and family and business, and they got to make money, and there's no money in theology. Um. So I start a business. So what, there's really? A, there's, there's, a, yeah. there's no money in that? There's no money there is, in that. Well, gummit. if you did some... Ask you, Joel Osteen about that. I was going to say. I know <laughs> no, that's not theology. Joel. That's yeah. not theology. <laughs> yeah, that's life coaching. That's Yeah, yeah that's yeah, life coaching. Yep. So Everyone you, gives him a hard time. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just because it, he's so out there. It, you know, when you set yourself up a target, when you ask for a prayer, and they said, well, if you send us $15, we'll pray for you. Yeah. Yeah, any, any prosperity gospel is pretty sketch balls. Yeah. Just so you know, if you've ever listened to the Burroughs of Berea. Uh, no, I grew you, up with that We stuff. don't care for I do prosperity guys. gospel. We're, yeah. we're yeah. anti that. I grew up, uh, mom was bringing home this the day of cassette tapes. Um, so I remember Jim Baker just starting. I he lived around here. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, yes, this area right here, here is very rich. I actually lived 10 minutes from PTL. In college, oh, wow. and when it shut down, all it went down, I was there, and it was a mess. You could Nobody have used the was golden toilets. I could yeah. have used the goat, but I didn't know. Yeah, now, here's true. here's the here's the thing to your uh, the students probably didn't get the golden toilets. You probably had to be faculty. <laughs> <laughs> now here's your post millennialism. You know this guy was doing it. Uh huh. Um, Jim Baker. I mean, you're building a Christian amusement park. Mm-hmm. That's post That's yeah. I always bring this kind of stuff up. But we need to take culture back. Well, we had it. That we've done this kind of stuff. It just is built for failure, though, because it's human. Do you remember when Jerry Falwell went down the slide at Heritage USA? I remember Jerry Falwell. Uh, we I remember the start of Kenneth Copeland. We would I had we had all of his early stuff. Um, oh wow! So I'm growing up. Kenneth Hagen, yep. uh, Oral Roberts, Swagger. Uh, Jimmy Swagger definitely. Lord. He was a wonderful. <laughs> say go. what you want to Here about him, but man, man he, can he can play and sing. So can his cousin. He can move. Yes. Really? Jerry, Do you know his cousin? Jerry Lee. Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry really? Lewis. Mm-hmm. Huh. It was his cousin. Great yeah. balls of fire. That's right. Great piano players, and also liked prostitutes. <laughs> yes. And married their young cousins at the age yes. of twelve. Yeah. And your point true. is. Uh, hey. Ah. Hey, it's the American dream. <laughs> <laughs> What's That's wrong with prostitutes and, roll, and young cousins? <laughs> rock what, and roll, baby. That's, that's what we fought for. Yeah. All right. So you loved Greek, and you went through this uh, through your scholarship. You got through this Greek, and then got so- through that. Um, working in the, not really doing anything in, in church other than going, um, continuing to read in this, that, and the other. So there's a good years lull 
there until 1998. Uh, Bruce Waltke is going to be at Reformed Theological Seminary. He's one of the better Hebraists out there. Uh, really uh, knows, just very well respected on all sides, whether liberal, conservative, Jewish, as a Hebraist, he's very well respected. So I couldn't pass that up um, to get to be able to sit under him. So I enrolled um, into Reformed Theological Seminary and under Mark Futado, who was out of Dallas, did a year there and then did a year with Bruce Waltke, mm-hmm. who was on the committee with the New International Version and all of this. So he was... And that was wonderful. That was a, you know, here's a disheveled old man scruffing along. He doesn't know anything about sports or doesn't drive a car, doesn't do anything. But he knows Sanskrit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he could just start writing it on the So yeah. it's, it's real Scott to be able to sit under that. That's was, funny. That's presented as something at odds with itself. But no, that seems totally consistent yeah. to me. No <laughs> cars, yes, Sanskrit. Yeah. 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 I'm thinking you could find that guy in downtown Asheville. Yeah. So what's oh, yeah. The, what's the drive behind you? So you you couldn't wait to pass it up. But what's the drive? Are you trying to learn the original languages because you want to know the Bible better? Is that what's going on, or is it? Well, the logic of it is, yeah, it's not English. Uh, Arrington uh, pressed it in. The Greek's not English. English is not Greek. Uh, so to get to in translation, um, you always want to know the root. You know the basis. Translations are wonderful, and it's certainly possible. Depending on what philosopher you're uh, listening to, whether you know Foucault or somebody else, you know Derrida might have some issues with that. But you you can't translate language, so we can interpret and translate. But it's not it's it's not the actual source language. You're, so you're going to miss a lot of nuances. You're going to miss a lot of way it's it's presented. So it's here's how it, it's put: uh, reading English is a black and white TV. Reading Greek is color. Sure, that's how it's put. Mm-hmm. I think that's always been an adequate way of explaining it. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Still the same show. I can understand that I'm watching Andy Griffith's show, but yeah, actually, the Andy Griffith shows when they went to color was they weren't. It, it wasn't good anymore. It's the black and white Andy Griffith. Right. Shows. Yeah. I didn't want to get off on my it's all like things trivia. Andy Griffith. It's like the beginning of Wizard of Oz. Yeah. 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 Versus yeah. Watching <laughs> the rest of Great. Wizard of Oz. Yes. Or I Love Lucy was that same way. I Love Lucy. Out. On the cusp. Yeah. Black yeah. and white, and then color. So that's that's the to enrich your understanding sure. of the word, yeah, and it certainly does. Well, that's like some things you, it takes away your imagination. Black and white, you you're imagining things, and then when you get the color of it, it takes away that. Yeah, I mean that's that why Alfred side. Hitchcock yeah. made the movie Psycho in black and white because it's more terrifying, it's more simplistic. Our brain, the way our brains work, and then did you know that he for blood that he used Hershey's chocolate syrup? And, All right, yeah, true story. It's an old movie trick. They, there's lots of things about black and white stuff, uh, literally black and white stuff. There were once you see, if you see the colorized version, like if you can find photos of sets and stuff, mm-hmm. nothing is the color you thought it no. was. Right. Nothing right. is the color you thought it was. It's it's crazy. Yeah. I guess they had to do some outlandish colors to get certain That's exactly tones right. and tones and all That's that. That's exactly right. Yeah. It is not what you thought. Yeah, it's like you would never put that in your living nope. room. <laughs> never. All right, so you get through Reformed Theological Seminary. Well, this Hebraicist that you're with. Um, when Bruce you, Walkie. Bruce Walkie, yeah. So uh, this isn't fully your PhD. You're still working towards the PhD. Yeah, right? I had met uh, Dr. Talbot, uh, Whitfield Theological Seminary, who was there in Lakeland. And that was through a letter, through a correspondence with uh, Rusos Rushdooney, 
who, so I was right. He would wrote me back, hey, do you recommend a seminary? And he recommended Whitfield Theological Seminary in Lakeland. So I started uh, taking some courses through there and got my master's through, I completed my master's through Whitfield. Mm -hmm. And it was at this time at RTS that I saw the book, two books, um, Last Days According to Jesus by R.C. Sproul. Again, mom and cassettes we've been listening to since the mid-80s, Holiness of God, Mm -hmm. that he produced, and his name was sort of getting out there. Um, And then C. Jonathan Soraya wrote a book called The End of All Things, Moscow Press, Doug Wilson's outfit in Idaho, uh, Moscow, Idaho. And they were debunking um, the full preterist view, which I was during from 92 to that time, 99. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't really out there doing anything. So while you were in seminary, while you were in for your master's degree, you were a full preterist. Didn't make a big bones about it. Right. Yeah. You don't go around. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your mom? Did your mom have an eschatology? Yeah. And your church, I mean, I guess that would be your church, whatever church. Oh, every church we went to was what, you know, we were going to reform churches. So it was um, Westminster Confession of Faith. Yeah. Hmm. So you just don't, you might push back a little bit on it, but not too much. You get kicked out. Yeah. So you got to watch. That's a common theme we've heard in this room. Yeah. Understandably, Hmm. you know, if you're trying to join the Masons, you're not going to say, First, we need to get rid of this Albert Pike fellow. <laughs> Don't be a Mason. Yeah, just go somewhere <laughs> else. Gonna, you know. And that's interesting because was she still married to your stepfather at this time? He was your stepfather. Oh, yes, yes. Always. And he had a very different eschatological oh, view. Adventist or yeah. premillennial. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody's um, going to burn. Is that, are they there? No, no. That's, Je- that's Jehovah's Witness. Never mind. No. Yeah, Jehovah's Witnesses are... Yeah, everybody's gonna burn. No, no, jo- very actually, it's a whole different. Thing. Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that people are gonna burn forever. They believe in annihilationalism. That's true. So yes. it's just a quick burn up, you know, for them. And then, so wow. All right. So I guess we need to go back a little bit then in your story because that's yeah. gonna have a lot to do with I'm what still we're gonna talk about. Reading a lot. Yeah. I'm just in business. So so during where did this where does this happen? So you are while you're going to these schools. You're, I'm sure you're attending the chapels of the school that you're mm-hmm. going to, and so they're so you're kind of going through all of the different, um, different, I guess, takes on the beliefs of these churches. Like the school holds to a specific creed or confession. Is that correct? The Bible college was interdenominational, so we were reading because we were working in the bookstore um, on campus. So we were. Reading, it was actually the children's director that gave me a book by David Chilton, Paradise Restored. Mm -hmm. And so in the bookstore, it was uh, Tyler, Texas, Dominion Press, and we started ordering more books from them. So that's Gary DeMar, uh, Gary North, Ray Sutton, James R. Jordan. That's all uh, Ken Gentry, very late 80s, early 90s, reading this stuff. So that's what you would call your preterism stuff. And David Chilton footnoted in uh, his commentary on Revelation, a guy named Max King, who he says in his footnote, believed that all prophecy was fulfilled. And boy, I'd like to read that. I'm the nerd that reads the footnotes and then gets the book on the footnote to make sure that 
it's lining up. And then you find the footnotes in that book, and yeah. it's a vicious yes. cycle. And, and, it and then you end up with an entire on. lower yeah. floor of a house full of books. I think. Yeah, yeah. But that's how I'm obsessed. I get. So, so Max David King's Chilton. in Ohio, and I thought, David oh, I didn't Chilton, get that This book. was in David Chilton's book, The Days of Vengeance. Days of Vengeance. And so he that's mentions That's the first Max time I heard King? Max King's book. Yep. He mentions Max King. He footnotes it. Really? Yeah. And so that's I knew Walt Hibbard, who was carrying that book in his great Christian books, the little catalog that he carried. And, and uh, what I, is this where I recognize called? that name. The Days of Vengeance? Oh, The Days of Vengeance. Okay. Well, King's book is The Cross and the Parousia of Christ. Hmm. Um, 800-page, just massive work. Church of Christ, Warren, Ohio. Self-published book. Um, you get it, and it's just this foreboding, gray-looking, hard Back, you're not supposed to read this. Anton LaVey, Satan's Bible, <laughs> Necromancer, kind of, Necronomicon kind of thing. Like the never-ending story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you kind of glossed over, and being the only female in the room, I'm going to take a little leisure here, but you're married. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and you met her. I am now currently. I've been divorced. And when you met back then, you were married to a different person yes. than you are. So, and you had children? Yes. How many? I have five children. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. By both Wives? No. Nope. Okay. Okay. Um, and so how did they do? Are they churchgoers? Are they believers? Yes. They grew up in the church? Yep. Okay. All right. What are they? Um, never mind. We'll ask that later. Go. <laughs> so I like have, to hear the personal, there's a personal side to him, and I want to make sure we get not yes, just the I'm intellectional very much, yes, very side, much. but the, the, the personal side. My son is side. up in, in Indianapolis right now. Um, he is, works at the state capitol. Um, a, a legislative assistant. So he's poli sci degree, got his uh, political science degree. Now he's wanting to go into law. My other son uh, accepted at IU. He's finishing out at IU uh, psychology. And my a daughter. Hoosier? And, yeah, oh, yeah. He's a Hoosier. Got an IU a Hoosier. My dad would be very proud. Hmm. Um, so, so how was it? Yeah. To very family. Yes. Yep. yes. And so no grandchildren yet? No, probably. Uh, my oldest daughter, who lives outside of Durham, um, would be the only ticket there, maybe. <laughs> so, because right. I look, I've really preached having kids. Make sure you know what you're doing. Don't just squat these things out. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, sound like Andy. Yeah. <laughs> Just make sure you know I'm pretty sure we don't squat them out. Squat these Just, I've out. had four, so I know. <laughs> yeah. That's not true. Tiziana squatted hers out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Lots well. of people do. Like, actually. She was a beast, That's man. A, she yeah. was like, she said it was so metal. Remember? She was like, it was metal. That's what her husband now, said. I was there for the birth, and I, yeah, your life changes seeing that. And, like, and I kept, couldn't help but thinking, I'm glad that's not me. Yeah. That was a terrifying experience wow. for me. Yeah, I laid there wishing it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man, I wish this were you. How is that possible? I remember my whenever my daughter was being born, and this is my first child, and so my wife looks at me and she was like, "Am I going to die?" And they said she was going into transition, and I was like, "No, no, you're not going to die. It's okay. Everybody goes through this." And then I turned and looked at the doctor, and I was like, "Is she going to die?" <laughs> I don't know because it is such a life changing experience. Because Carol like, Burnett said it's like taking your bottom lip and stretching it up over your head. Yes, <laughs> so true, so true. So you, so you read this book by Max King, I assume. Yes, you get, and it is call him up because I called David Chilton up. So in, back then, it's just nine one one or four one one information, and they answer. You know, people answered the phone, so called him up and started talking with him because. Um, this 
preterism and already being in this post-millennial Ken Gentry, Gary DeMar field, it did intrigue me as to how you can have Matthew 24 all fulfilled, but not 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians 4 and a whole bunch of revelation. Mm-hmm. You know, why not just go the whole route? Well, Max King is the first guy that went the whole route. Uh, everything was AD 70. Everything is fulfilled. So that's your Mike Sullivan's. And that was the cross and the, and the Paris. Per, yeah. What's the Perugia? Yeah. Is that what you call it? And yeah. that's Paris, your Dave yeah. Curtis's Paris, yeah. where you guys went. That's Max King is the father of that. Whether mm. they acknowledge that or not, Max King was doing this back in the 70s. So he's the first guy we see literally taking every passage in the New Testament and fitting it to 70 AD. Hmm. So the preterists back in the 19th century weren't even doing that. And so when he asked, when you called him up and said, hey, I want to know about this, what happened next? Did you Very talk nice to man. him? Very nice man. The cult guys are always nice. No, he's <laughs> no, he's nice. Max, oh, may he rest in peace. Did you need any Kool-Aid, by the way? Yeah. Just <laughs> What's so, in that one? Yeah. just started talking. Um, now, if they bring it out, I'm leaving. Trying to understand his <laughs> approach. And again, that background dispensational in Pentecostalism is largely dispensational. Oh, yeah. Big time. So, so growing up, uh, we watched late great planet earth you know on the screen and so you're a kid watching this and you accept what your pastor says he's the authority that's a child's mind sure um that movie had a big impact you know big impact Mm. orson welles narrating it how could you go wrong oh orson welles right that's Um, funny until i came into this room i'd never heard of that movie see the movie i i I recommend it's great time piece it's a wonderful little piece there it captures you know, the apocalyptic and tanks and marching armies and yeah. disease and death and destruction and I mean, anger in the streets. You tiny, know, the stuff we read today. It's probably tiny, a little, just <laughs> a, a tiny little bit ending. better than uh, Left Behind. Maybe a little yeah. bit. Well, that's yeah. not that's... aiming very high. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, good point. I mean, as far as cheesy Christian movies go, it's this. Why is it that Christians cannot make good movies? I, they can. You should watch The Chosen. You should it's watch incredible. Nefarious. I did. I have. I thought that was very well done. It wasn't cheesy at all. I mean, the passion, but I don't know Mel Gibson, but I consider him, he's Catholic. He's a big Christian. Well, at least but the content was Christian. It's uh, That was probably one of the first best-made movies, was A Passion of the Christ. Very well-made yes. movie. Probably one of the first very well high-budget They're made. making a sequel. Yes. They are. Passion of the Christ Resurrection. He dies again. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good movie voice, man. Yeah. No, was, yeah. Can you give me a this time it's personal? <laughs> this time. <laughs> <laughs> give me in back a, my son. In a small town. <laughs> yeah. In great. the city, you must fight to survive. Yeah. There was one carpenter. <laughs> oh. Little tortilla boy. <laughs> you know it, huh? We were watching Oh, it. that's so right. Pablo get, Francisco. Yes. The best. All right, so you've read Max King, and you've reached, you've reached, <laughs> you've reached out to him, and you. It made sense, him. yeah. At that time in my those young years, it made sense. So this is you like coming into preterism. That's yeah. where we are. Okay. Yeah. Full preterism. Full preterism. The kind of the uh, the conference you went to. Okay. Yeah. Who I know, all those guys. Yeah. I spoke with them, lectured with them. I've seen you interact so, with them on. Yeah. Yeah. Social media. Oh, yeah. So I've known them for since the early 2000s, all those guys. And I, at those conferences, so full speed ahead, Max King 
uh, Soraya's book, R.C. Sproul's book, who mentions Max King. So here's the big R.C. Sproul. Yeah. Um, sells hundreds of thousands of copies of his books. Max King, nobody knows who this guy is. But Sproul's mentioning him and Ed Stevens. So Sproul mentions that Ed Stevens. Starts a fl- that opens wow. up a that, – that just opened up all kinds of doors because um, everyone – it's like you hear uh, – I think of my old references. So you hear Sweet Emotion on Aerosmith's Toys in the Attic, and you're like, man, this band's good. And you go back and you start buying their older, their first albums that nobody bought. Right. So that's what happened there. Uh, Ed Stevens, Max King, reading R.C. Sproul, they're going to go back and start buying and looking for this Ed Stevens and Max King. So that opened up a real big door for us. Mm -hmm. And I had a manuscript because of Soraya's book, on Sola Scriptura, and because that was the real big thing. How do you get around the creeds? How do you get around? So that was my manuscript. Well, Tim and Max King took that manuscript, and they published it hmm. in 2001, Misplaced Hope. And that sold about 4,000 units. And the next thing I know, I'm invited to all of these conferences, like the one, exactly like the one you went to. Um, we're, they were having four or five or six of them there from 2002 to around 2008, we were really, there was a wave going on. Mm-hmm. And then that began to implode. Um, there were various directions and factions that were starting to go on. And this rather, relatively small movement was already beginning to uh, kind of fracture a bit. So, but anyway, that's, that's how I got propelled into this. Totally was not planning on it. Completely was not seeing it. But. Can I ask a quick question? Sure, sure. Just like a... So when this intrigued you, what where were you at in your personal life? Divorce, kids, getting married, work. Uh, I mean, what what made you kind of? This is intriguing. The full predator stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like what was going on in your personal life? Just like I wasn't. I would say I was a nominal Christian. I wasn't really walking like I am. I would say today. Um, certainly more friendlier with the elements of alcohol and things of that nature okay. than a Baptist would allow. Um, but Which Presbyterian, none, but Presbyterians none, wouldn't. Not this Baptist. Yeah, but Presbyterians <laughs> wouldn't. Um, so, you know, just kind of that thing, and certainly against any kind of Pentecostal spiritual gifts, that kind of intimate devotion with, with the Lord, that kind of, that kind of walking. Gotcha. So more rationalistic, and full preterism just fit right in with that on that on that level. So more intellectual Christianity versus a relational relationship Christianity. Yes. Yeah. You're studying, wanting to know a little bit more. This preterism sounds interesting, but not like you said, doing a daily devotional. Right. Really honing in on that relationship. There wasn't a lot of wor- was there a worship service where you went at the conference? Uh, they did worship yeah, that we morning. Did worship. They did. That's Once, rare. A couple of songs at yeah. the very the very first day yeah. afternoon. Very rare. Yeah. Um, I didn't know, but one of them. Then Sunday morning. And then Rick looked at me and goes, "I didn't know you could sing." I know she right. has such a beautiful voice. She can sing. We'll have to I sing up song. in here. No. Andy can record us. We can sing it. We can. So that yeah, that was my life now as it was then is definitely definitely different. Yeah. Yeah. So. Once you start getting invited to conferences, um, 
do you write, do you start writing books like what, you know, from the things that you've learned? Obviously there's no real uh, place to get educated for this, right? I was the only one with degree, uh, with a degree um, in the camp that was now opposing us. So RTS, Reformed Theological Seminary, they got together with uh, Ken Gentry and Keith Matheson and um, Charles Hill, uh, Simon Kistmacher, and they put together a book, Presbyterian and Reform Publishing, put together a book, When Shall These Things Be? So we were starting to be attacked um, because we were growing, I guess, a little bit. So, and I mentioned in all of these things because I'm degreed, I'm, I'm at their seminaries. And I'm the only one in that kind of thing doing that work. So yeah, I'm writing and trying to defend as much as I can uh, the full preterist view. Is it because you truly believed it? I truly or, believed it. Yeah, and I did you this want made the most sense that? It, and you wanted to def, like you were defending it because you just believed it that much. Started a church, sold the business, moved the family from Orlando to Tampa. Started the church, you know, full preterist, one of eight, yeah, full preterist churches out there. So now you're pastoring. So now we're pastoring, and it was at that moment. So we hosted uh, Don Preston. Um, debating James Jordan and Don Preston debating Mark Hitchcock and Thomas Ice. So we were getting some big I didn't names. I know that Preston uh, debated with Hitchcock. Yep. This and he did it at your church? At our church, yeah. We was it awesome? Oh, yeah. I got to take Mark and Thomas Ice out for uh, at the Olive Garden. I, I love watching Mark Hitchcock in his debates. I yeah. watched him with Hank Hanegraaff, and I was like, this oh, he's guy. quite impressive. Oh, wow. Now, I really enjoyed Hank Hanegraaff because he could like recite the entire book of Revelation. Right. I couldn't believe it. He was like, here, let me, let's say this. And he would like recited chapter one of Revelation was it, by heart. Was it Jack Van Hippie style? No, no, it was beautiful. <laughs> Not Jack Van Hippie style. It was beautiful the way that he did it. And I thought, man, that's amazing. But in the debate, it was meaningless. Hitchcock tied him up into a little tiny knot in yeah. that debate. I, mean, I, I got to admit, I mean, I respect Mark Hitchcock for what he can do in debate. Sure. He's really... A great debater. So, and you yeah. got to see him live with Don Preston we're there, and Don was debating. Can I so ask that's who won? Do you know who won? Does anybody ever win a debate? But did he? Who won? Depends. We don't win one in here. Yeah, right. <laughs> none of us. It depends. it depends on what side of the the. Because yeah. I go and look at some of your debates it's not that even are about on winning, YouTube, is it? No. and the comments. It depends on who's commenting. Yeah, yeah who frequently, won? Yeah, you yeah. you think the person who you agree with won frequently? Yeah, frequently. I guess, I guess the debate is really more for like edification for for learning and for hearing other. You're hearing two different well, it's sides. Educational. It should, be, it not, should be. Not poo-flinging like some of these. Like the last guy that debated um, Don Preston, Mark Smith on Myth Vision was pathetic. He might have been a great debater. It wasn't that. It's how he went after him as a person, as a human being. Yeah. I was disgusted by that. And I'm, ugh, I would never do a debate on Myth, Myth Vision if he's going to allow that kind of stuff to happen. There's no way. Yeah. No way. You ever seen the Lincoln-Douglas debates? Well, Red that's different. seen them. Right yeah, on. are you you're talking about for you know for the presidency of the United States right as the time the They're whole nation is splitting apart? Yeah, but did he call what did Lincoln call Douglas's mother a whore or something? Maybe. No, Maybe but <laughs> there was an that. instance where uh, was it were they pretty nasty? Beat up in the well of the yeah. Senate. Yeah. By uh, I think it was a South Carolina they senator beat around. the tar out what of him with a cane. Well, see, but, that type of debate, you definitely want to have a winner. Yeah. <laughs> you want to have For a winner. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's Hamilton. always an Aaron, Burr and Hamilton. And Burr yeah. Hamilton. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's a real debate, huh? Yeah. Yes. That's, that's the way to do that's it. That's the one you want to win. 
That's what my wife always told me. She's like, if we ever get divorced, we're going to duel. It just so happens I don't own a gun, <laughs> but she does. <laughs> you lost. <laughs> the end. Ugh. Yeah. What that, bi- what business did you sell? What, what it was janitorial clean, uh, commercial cleaning. So okay. we were doing high rise uh, commercial cleaning five night a week. Speaking kind of, of poof, very lucrative. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So you've you've you're at this church. You have hosted these debates, which I'm so jealous that you got to see that yeah. debate. Yeah. yeah, I would have loved to have been there. And a young Jeff Durbin was there. Really, one wow. of these debates I found out later. Really, how old yeah, was he? Like twelve? Yeah. No, no, he was in his twenties. <laughs> yeah. That. Um, you guys knew Jeff Durbin. Sadly, Apologia. he's still kind of. He I've heard the name. Yeah, he he's he's I, a very very like I don't know. I, I model myself after him. Apologia, the except I'm like five curriculum? times no, the size. <laughs> the homeschool curriculum. Well, your beer's not as long. No, either. no, no. Apologia does a homeschool curriculum. It might be them. Him is and it James a church? White. Apologia. Yeah, they're out yeah. in Arizona. Okay. Jeff Durbin, when you watch his Apologia, like on YouTube. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, this guy like goes out on the street. I mean, yes. he's going everywhere. Oh, yeah. I love he's what, fighting yeah. against everything and and trying really hard. He works really hard at it. I love his uh, discussions he has with the um, Mormons. Yeah, uh, and just kind of ties them up in knots. Yeah, they. It's it's really wild. He's pretty cool. So he went to so he came to your church too, and you just didn't know it at at the time. Didn't know. Wow. He, he contacted and he said, you know, I was at that debate. Wow. So anyway, you know, having these debates, but it's in this that we're being a, attacked as being a church because, and the attack is coming not from uh, the evangelicals that we're opposing; it's coming from the full preterists mm-hmm. that we are, because we're not. We why have church today? See that started to come up. Yeah. Uh, why do you have pastors today? We're we're in the new heavens and the new earth. We're in the perfection of the one new man. We are in the covenant perfection of of God. We're fully sanctified, perfected. God says that we're perfect. It has nothing to do with biological perfection. Everything has to do with covenantal perfection. So these so are the why do you need to have church? You. They're throwing this at you while you're a pastor of a church. My own people oh, okay. are throwing this at me, criticizing uh, us for having a church and a statement of faith and all the rest of it. So, so we're trying to mirror uh, the evangelical churches as in saying that you can be a full preterist and function as an evangelical church. Mm -hmm. And I found out among many full preterists that you can't, you shouldn't, Hmm. you're not supposed to. And there's around today, these guys, Israel only, um, little group that started, we watched them slowly start and we opposed them. But now I look at it and think, you know, you got a point. Hmm. You really do have a point. Hmm. I mean, why do I need to go to church? I am the church. So hmm. why would I have to go to church? And maybe the whole um, ecclesiastical structure, hierarchy, and all of this robes and— It's all futile. Yeah, build a build an orphanage or something. Well, I mean, do even, more something. Even, do something better with that property. Even Paul. So Paul's part of the church, and he tells them not to forsake the gathering of themselves together. I mean, yeah, but that was for them. That was not written to us. Well, but he was still talking about the church— not exactly. Right. I don't Not think. Really. I don't. I don't think it was. It never was in the what our concept of church is. Yeah, yeah. it's right. not in that concept. Hmm. Okay, it's about well, like what we're doing right now. So you right. Were, so they were criticizing yeah. you or hmm. your not like kind of set, preterism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the setting of a for, church. Like, yeah. yeah, because you were trying to do preterism in the model of the current modern day American church. 
because I love church and I never I want to I saw full preterism as bridging the a gap and so I I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. We're so not going to get anywhere was, doing there that. There was a model that works, so why not right. use it so we can all meet together and teach our beliefs? Right. So that's where you kind of go, your love for people and the church as a people group, not necessarily as a building, but maybe you did love the building too, but no, I, as yeah, a people like group, too. you I, I see where you're going with why you did it, but you were getting probably ham- you were getting hammered from both and sides. Elders and there should be, uh, you know, this organization known Structure. as the church and deacons and uh, people that pool their money together and then reach out to the community and help the lost and the poor and those in jail and all that kind of good social stuff. I mean, we should still have educational and education. Yep. And I mean, that I feel that that's where church should be is the edification and building up of the saints and, and teaching. I mean, that should still be the premise of what it should be for. And that, that point, in Ephesians 4, so it's that point under the edification until we all reach the fullness of the stature of the one new man. That's 70 AD. Mm-hmm. So we're not in that anymore. Hmm. So why still do it? So we're rearranging well, dead point. chairs and that's, on how a are you, how are you responding to perfect them? ship. We shouldn't. Like, wh- oh, we're you? not. I'm now. I'm well, we're obviously. No, no, no. I'm saying yet. then, while you were there and you were hearing those things, how did you respond? I was trying everything I could, Jason Bradfield and a few, uh, to write these technical papers of defending the necessity of the con- continuity of the church post 70 AD. Because they, I was always raising up these issues that. Yeah, the futurists have to deal with 2,000 years and at hand and all this, but we have to deal with 2,000 years too. What has God been doing? Why are we still here? What's the purpose? What's the point? And that so what question or post-70 AD question, that's where a lot of preterists just begin to really fall apart. They, yeah, when we get into they go one all of our, over the place. When we get into one of our later talks, I want to dig in a yeah. little deeper with That's you the on big that. question right there. Yeah, we're gonna. I think we're going to dig in deep on oh, that one. That'll be good. All right, yeah. so... Yeah, we are. Yeah. You're getting pushback, probably from both sides. You're preterist, all so they're sides. pushing but all sides. But you don't have your doctorate yet, or you do? No, have- that's much later after I left. So yeah. when do you feel oh, like? Okay. okay, so what prompts you to leave? There's the there's a good segue. What prompts you to leave? Well, buy my book for fifteen ninety five. Yeah, there is a book that's here. Right. Hold on. Yeah, let me yeah. let me pull this. And you can have a picture of me and oh, my so, family as you. So <laughs> When and you a special left, anointing this so time when you only. Left the church. <laughs> yeah, look at here. Why I left full preterism. So when you left the There's church, you left full pres- preterism at the same time. <laughs> I'm trying to. I do have a napkin. I need you to That's kiss my old before I leave. Uh, yeah. 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 And if you buy it right now, you'll get a special anointing. With that. <laughs> yeah, Hallelujah! Right yeah. I feel it through Pro- the yeah. prosperity. Put your hand on the Dig TV deep. now. That actually, that book well, actually with you. Whoever made this book, it's actually got a really nice feel on the exterior here. Uh, I do. I like Gentry's it. outfit publishes that. So. Oh, really? Yep. Very cool. Was it Good Hope? Good Hope Publishing is that his? I don't know. I see that Gary Demar, <laughs> Ken Gentry, and Keith Matheson all have written something about yeah. your book here. Like your little blurbs on there. Little blurbs. They might write something different today. Tell no, me they published. wouldn't. That's why I left. Now, yeah, but it's interesting. It's ironic. Gary Demar's on the back of that. So, yeah, because where he's at right now is. <laughs> Nowhere near what that book was saying. Yeah, so thanks, Billy. 
<laughs> so let me go back to my question. When it's you left this yeah. on a podcast, That's it makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> eye candy on a podcast. Yeah. Technically speaking, I'm eye candy on a podcast. Hey, I'm right there with you. Maybe three. Oh, yeah. Call you a whopper. But anyway, yeah, Rick's go ahead. got a face for radio. <laughs> Sorry, I, that's an old, old, old joke. Yes, yes. And that's only true it's about Ralph It's always funny. It is yeah. funny. Anyway, so you... It's like a ventriloquist act on radio. Yeah. <laughs> Can see his lips. Yeah. Trust me. But the bad thing is he's still got the dummy there. <laughs> so, yeah. So where were you at? What were you going to ask, Sarita? So when you left this church in Tampa, that's where you were, right? Well, did you leave or did well, you Well, the get church, re- I resigned from the church. Um because it started it's, dwindling. So is that because of this? No. Well, this I meaning the book. book. I resigned. Yeah, I left. Church, we resigned the church before that. That came as a personal angst struggle. Continuing studies, working with the dean of the seminary, uh, Doctor Kenneth Talbot, and um, and we'll put a link. W. Gary. We'll Cramp, put a link so. in this testimony. We'll put a link, guys, to to be able to find. I imagine they can buy this book on Amazon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll put a Google link. It, so if anybody wants to see the that's down the street from my house. Chesney. Oh, he's, yeah, Dr. Gentry's just 45 minutes Yeah, he's minutes like in away. Greenville, I think. But he was away. He, he would have been here, but he was away. He's he would have been here, he said? Yep. So I, so if I ever want to get Ken Gentry on the me. show. Next time I'll be here, he'll, I can meet him. I just need to make sure I bring you down and then he'll come. Because I've invited him That'd several times. Nice. He, he's he just very won't come. I, so am I. Yeah. I'm very busy. I, know. I, I am. Don't you hate when people say that? I'm yeah, it's very like busy. I'm, I'm so busy. So am I. Okay. Well, why not? We're all busy. You know, I'm busy time. right now. <laughs> right now, you right. just don't know how busy I am. Well, my favorite is what I've asked Kim Burgess so many times. Have kids. Listen, I love Kim Burgess. Yeah, I, I just love Kim Burgess. I just do. And yeah. when I talk, I, I try to reach out. And I'm like, please come and give your testimony. He's like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, why? And he's like, not a chance. I'm not that interesting, and I don't really want to. Do- yeah, okay, all right. I really wish you some of these men that have affected our society. I wish yeah, at least at least instead of saying I'm a gonna, you know, yeah, I would rather well, just say I, no. Let me be fair to Ken Gentry. He has he has been kind and responded and said, I appreciate that you have invited me. I'm sorry. I'm trying to finish this commentary that I've been working on for seventy thousand years, but hey, it'll be done soon. But keep in mind, people don't. <laughs> do not everyone's the media. <laughs> it'll be soon. It'll like be, it'll be done soon. When yeah. Jesus comes back yeah. Yeah. at the front and the back. Well, when we were doing our first studies 70? in here, yeah, when we did our first studies in here, uh, we were talking about Jesus coming back, and Billy was like, "Jesus is going to come back before he finishes his study." Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, so that, that, that's but my thing that came out of a person just continuing studies came out, and I saw it. I had a problem. Um, Again, this gets back to the way I was trained. It's always look for a problem in your own view. Sure. Um, you know, the good academician will always do that, whether you're in science. They're always looking to attack, falsify their own view, and that's that's just how it works. So you do that also in scholarship. You're always um, looking for holes. And I found one, uh-huh. and it became a very big one. And Would so, you care to share that with us? Right now, well, I mean, if you we want can get into the nature of infinity, <laughs> well, that's a whole other. Yeah, we can do that on the other podcast because we we've talked about that. Everybody has a problem it's with in infinity. Infinity is a problem. It is a problem yeah. for pretty much every, including mathematicians. It's a oh, problem. Yeah. You know, it's fun to read about though. Yeah, so but it's been a problem. The Greeks hated it. Uh, it's just been this. 
Always been. And so keep in mind, I'm reading a lot of philosophy and history, and it's going a Including Buzz Lightyear? No. No. To infinity and beyond. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so what about... Um, so, so tell us about where you are right now. I mean, obviously you're in the studio, but where, where from leaving full preterism, it took you into a journey. It sounds like that was very hard on you. Oh yeah, right. Well, your whole reputation and career, and going to conferences, and well, we uh, didn't even talk about him leaving so. dispensationalism as a as a um, uh, like a moment in his life, like a a turning point. Well, I met you. You're coming out of that was in college. Yeah, yeah, you're going through dispensation. Like he's going through the learning process. We didn't talk about him dealing with that. I mean, he did talk about a little bit of him. Uh, he wasn't walking the walk because I mean, in some yeah, cases, there were valleys and how can you walk the walk when your mind is kind of mush, yeah. trying to parse it all out and segment it? Because we're used to, as Kim Burgess would say, you, you're trying to dissect it all the time, yeah, and put it in pieces. So mm-hmm. we didn't yeah. even get to the, you know. How are you handling walking out of what you grew up in? Oh, from dispensationalism yes. to a preterism? Yes. Um, really, it just kind of made sense. Well, no, I mean, were you attacked? How did you deal with it with your friends? On the Bible fr- college by some, but it was an interdenominational, so there were some there that were supportive of it. So you're, in a college, mama? you get, you're supposed to be taking shots and, yeah, you're— yeah. I think uh, a lot of differences are there. It sounds like uh, preterism is a thing that happened to you over a course of time. And going back to dispensary, dispensationalism (laughs) is a uh, is a choice you made. And so the social repercussions of the second one are significantly greater than the first, because in the first one, you're actually finding the group as you're changing your beliefs. In the second, you change your beliefs, and then you find out that that group that you thought were your friends, all of a sudden you're not accepted anymore. So it's a much more difficult transition. Well, the the dispensationalist at college treated me better than the full preterists treat me today. So I've been called every name in the book, and I'm a God-hater. I've turned my back on Jesus. Uh, I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I am the thing. enemy. People yeah, get yeah. tied up in a thing, and they take their beliefs as their personality, and then their attacks on their yeah, beliefs. They transmute to attacks on their personality, and you're just like, that's not what I meant. And you said you were hearing from people already. Uh huh. Why having me on the show? Yeah, I mean, for various reasons, but that, of course, that doesn't bother me. I mean, people can think and do whatever they want. That's not that's not me. I mean, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Um, that's what we've always done on the show. So, you know, the, I guess the part when I was when I found out about you, um, and the reason why I wanted to have you on the show, of course, was you know through honestly through Jason Bradfield. Yep. Because Jason Bradfield was just like leveling these like harsh criticisms He's towards awesome. people that I know. Um. I love Jason. If he's listening, I love Jason Bradfield. Great. Well, I asked him if he would accept warrior. my friendship, yeah. and he did. Um, he didn't call me a clown, but he told me to kick rocks. And he's is, called me a clown, so don't feel is bad. I've been called a clown by Jason. Preterist? No. Used to be. He was very formative with me, what we were doing in St. Petersburg. Yep. Well, just and what happened. He came out of it. So. I just, he attacked Don Preston, and, and, and we've talked about this before, and this isn't my testimony. This isn't our testimony. It's just the, how I found you and how this all worked out is that. The Burroughs entered into this world because of things that I found and studied and what I began to believe and, right. and was sharing with the group. And, you know, I just had to tell, 
you know, Pastor Curtis and McCormick and all those guys, thank you for giving all of these things away. And I come from a world where you buy everything and right. you have to, you know, like you said, for $15, I'll send right, this right, to you, right. right? These men work tirelessly and just give it away. And that speaks volumes that's to somebody. because nobody's buying it. Well, that, I, that's not so. true. That's not true. That was a low blow. <laughs> but I mean, to, to be perfectly honest with you, there's plenty of preterist books out there that people could buy, but that that meant a lot to me. And I wanted to thank them because they had opened my eyes on some things. You got to understand, I am hardcore dispensationalist is what right, I was. Right, right. And I started seeing some things, regardless if we agree on what the time texts are or anything, those were eye-opening for me as a human being. And to the best of my knowledge, I have just as much of the Holy Spirit inside me as you do, and as the rest of the world do that believe and put trust in Him. And so I'm thinking, how is this possible that all of us have the same spirit, yet we're on such different planes and paths? And so when I I go and I think, and I meet them, and I love them dearly, and and I just, I go online and I, and I meet Don Preston at and I think he's the, the funniest man and um, had him here in the studio and at the shop, much like you. And and then I see Jason Bradfield calling Don Preston a clown. And I was like, it just bothered me. And I was like, who in the world would say that about somebody that spent their, you know, again, But again, it's we walked into forth. the middle of a war. We, and that's what he Preston responded. And, yeah. The Burroughs walked into the middle of a 30-year war. Yeah. And we don't know where it started or why, but it was there. Had no idea. Yeah, but I, I was left, just saying, was you a... all need to be put in time out. Like, I'm done, <laughs> right? I'm done. Like, uh, come on, guys. Let's try to be nice about this. But it's just, it's not going to be. It's just not going to be. And so I've kind of I'm resolved to that. That is not who I am. I will. I am too much of a soft heart. And so if, if somebody says, hey, you don't need Sam Frost, I'm like, you know what? He's a human being and he loves the Lord Jesus and I want to meet this guy. Oh, I don't know if he loves the Lord Jesus. Oh, I don't know what you know. But I don't care what you know. I want to meet him myself, you know? So let's just see how this works out. Yeah. I told Michael Miano, I was like, I, I hope they don't put me in this camp against them. I'm trying to reach out to them, but if they do, then so be it. I'm offering an olive branch to everyone that I meet because as far as I know, Dr. Frost, Jesus Christ told the people at the Sermon on the Mount to love their enemies. Yep. That is not a fake it till you make it. And I don't know how to do that. And I have been spending my life talking to him, trying to learn how. That's what I, that's where I'm at in right, my life. Right. And I don't see you as my enemy. I mean, we, we don't even know each other. We're starting to get to know each other. Right. And I hope your wife and all y'all will come oh, down. Sure. You know, yep. And if you do, then maybe Gentry will come out of his hole and come up here. And that'd be fun, you know, have a little I see dog. a lot of people not loving their neighbor like themselves. <laughs> well, they love themselves. Well. That's for sure. Yeah. That's not, I, I don't want to say that's true, but, you know, I'm... People, to yeah. be fair, I know a lot of people that absolutely do not love themselves. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I have, yeah. But, you know, I have some great friends, um, all of these these people that have been so kind to me, and I love them dearly, and I'm not going to change my mind about that for any reason ever. I don't care what anybody says, you know, that's just how it's going to be. And that, that will include you as well. That's just how it's going to be for me. For me, it's a historian, so you have these, you the church is already defined in these creedal bounds that uh -huh. that has people have lost their lives over forming and yeah. um, the messy history of church history, and so that's that's the definition of of what church is. We're all in agreement uh, from all four quarters of the earth, all languages, all nations have come to an agreement on these points, in spite of our several several very sharp 
uh, schismatic disagreements that we have within the church. Mm -hmm. We all agree on these points, mm -hmm. uh, all languages, all walks of life. So when someone comes along and says that's all wrong, we're not to just say, oh, come on in. Yeah, we're right. It, I don't you, know if it, there's, there's a there's Are a they concern. saying that's all wrong? I don't oh, think absolutely. Saying, I don't think they're saying that's I said all that. wrong. I preached that. Yes. But, yeah, but I don't know that that would have been the right way to go. I mean, I don't think they're saying that's all wrong. I think that they're saying there are some things about post-millennial and amillennial and all that and how these things join. At least you saw it at one point. I don't, I, I've told you many times, and I told you tonight on the way over here, thinking that the church has been wrong for 2,000 years is not a, a stance that I want to take. I don't want to take that, guys. I'm not going to stand up and say, the church is wrong. Who am I to say that? That's that's what we're that's that's what we saying. I understand so that's you what you're saying. Michael but you, Sullivan standing up and calling me an Orthodox Christian a heretic because I don't believe in his view. That's well, a, I, I mean, so as, I, I, as I can't say that for myself, and he's not we here to defend himself. This. I can't say that about that. I, I, what I'm saying is I don't remember that, and I know Sarita said, I guess she heard it. Maybe we can go back and, was it on the recording? I don't know. But I haven't gone back and watched Mike's it. not here to defend himself, and he can do he can defend himself just fine. But, he might have said it's heretical views. He didn't call me a heretic. Oh, okay. Heretical views. Yeah, but, you know, and I, contrary to popular belief, I love Mike. I do, sincerely, and his wife, Denise, both, so... Um, I just, yeah, I think that I'm looking forward to this conversation. I want us to get deeper into this. This is where the land wars began. Uh, we're not going to have a land war. <laughs> it's only a spiritual war. <laughs> it's, I think, I mean, some of it is just being in it for so long um, and then coming out, facing the, ad, the opposition from them that I've faced because of, you know, I... This was a big thing. I had published a book with Sullivan and Green and others, and right at that time, 2009, 2010, Don just published my book, and I'm having this study where I'm starting to come out. So there was a lot of animosity as a traitor. Yeah. But you have to follow um, your conscience. You can't go against your conscience. If you're seeing and, a problem with something, you've got to – you can't to – too what many I, people sweep it under the rug, and they still sell something that they know is false. I said this – to you, know, you last Dr. night in the Fauci car after you and I had dinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I Dr. That. Fauci ring a bell. Yeah, yeah, of course. He knows it's wrong, <laughs> but he's telling you it's right. Whenever, I can't do that. And, and I'll say this publicly, because I told you this in private, I'll say it publicly. I, I commend you, I do, on whatever you've believed, truly believed, that you've made that decision no matter what happened in your life. You've done that. And I and I do commend you on that, regardless of what anybody might say to me. I don't care. Because I, I know what it's that. like for me. When I started making the decision, I started seeing these differences too. And I was like, guys, if you just knew what I'm seeing and what I understand, what I believe, and, and how my heart just exploded, and I started loving people and seeing things differently, all because I started understanding like, Things that I'd never read before. It was just opening up. It was just such a wonderful thing. I don't know if you felt that when you became a preterist, but yeah, it's like initially. suddenly the world, for me, it wasn't so terrifying anymore. It is a terrifying place because depravity has never left. It's still right here. But regardless of any of this, I'm seeing these particular things. I believe it with my whole heart. And I still worship. <laughs> I worship with premillennial dispensationalists every single As Sunday. Yep. And I will continue to worship. And I can worship anywhere that I am. Um, and I do, because he's worthy of my worship, and I know what he did for me. And so if people could look at me and they say, look, you're a heretic, and I think that you're lost, and I think you're dying, and I think you're going to hell because of that, the thing that hurts me is that I think everyone should be careful 
because I have the Holy Spirit in me and I know he's here because he's, he's, he's changed me from the inside out. He's, I, I've never had a love like this, Dr. Frost, never. It's just, it's come from him and it, it, it's changed my life forever. And will I always be a full preterist? I don't know. How can I say I know? Right. If you'd asked me 10 years ago if I was always going to be a dispensationalist, I would be like, of course. But after this big change that I just went through, right. I don't have to prove to anyone that I am a perfect full, full preterist forever. I don't care. Right. That doesn't matter to me. That's just a name. That's a moniker. That's a, that's a title. The only title I'm concerned with is the king of my salvation, Jesus Christ. That's the title I'm concerned with. And that this is where I'm at in my path right now, and I believe it with my whole heart. And it's because of texts that I see, and I'm going to continue to study, and I'm going to continue to search. And Lord Jesus, help me. That's where I'm at. That's all we can ask. Keep, I know. And keep that's reading. What, keep studying. Yeah. And that's what upsets me about the people that look at our camp. And, they're like, and the oh. opposition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that's why I refuse. Like, I'm going to love the other groups regardless. And I, I wish that they wouldn't look at me and say that I'm a heretic. I wish they would say, I see where you're going and continue on the path, you know, but they won't call me a brother. They won't. And that's unfortunate because I know who my savior is. I just know. And what am I, what, what can I do with that? Could I say the same about the Mormon? I've had would, this conversation with you? Mormons. Would you? No. You wouldn't say that. Well, from one perspective, I don't know. I'm not God. From a historic definitional perspective, I'm compelled to say no. You know, I don't think that. You can't be an atheist <laughs> and on the back of your head. I believe a little bit in God. Looking, well, looking at Jesus Christ no. as everything that he said was fulfilled. Looking at that, saying, I believe that what Jesus said he meant and he fulfilled it is very different than me saying that I'm a God. Do are there are there Jehovah's Witnesses that believe Jesus is the Christ and they have a differing view on annihilationalism? They don't believe that they're part of the 144,000, they're they're part of the great crowd. Are there some within that camp that can be believers? Yes. Go ahead and call me a heretic. There are true, sincere people that want sure. salvation and they know it comes from Jesus. They just have been either raised or they're a part of a group and they haven't been able to break from the group think. Am, is that fair? I that's like you know, Southern, Calvinism and Southern Baptists might look at, at Roman Catholicism <laughs> yeah. and say, "No, they can't be saved. They pray to Mary." But well, that's just an ignorant way of looking at things. There's there's so many people within that faith that are honestly seeking after the Lord Jesus oh, Christ. I hope. Yeah. So I can't speak for Mormons because I don't know enough about Mormonism, but I know that if somebody is truly seeking after the Lord Jesus Christ and they put their faith and trust in Him. I believe that the Holy Spirit is the one that's enacting that in that person. Why would you look to the Savior? Don't you? Well, it just it, it's it's the age old question. I don't mean where do you where do you lay leader. your boundaries at? Because of obviously it's you're going to get you you have at some point where you're going to say to somebody that's not Christian, you're not a Christian. I don't say that to anyone. So Charles Manson, who believed in the Bible and actually used the Bible, quoted yeah. it quite often while there were multiple acid trips. But nonetheless, he's quoting Revelation. He also said nine. that he was Jesus Christ. Sure, why not? Well, that's not the that's not what a believer says, right? So there is a line then. Some, what I'm saying at is, at some I don't, point you've got. A when line. you say I don't say anything, I'm talking about. I'm not talking about an insane person that murders people who is who's obviously has mental health issues because he was raped as a child. His mother was a prostitute. He had all kinds Oof. of problems in his life. He did what he did, and he's responsible for what he did. And he died while he was in prison. He paid his price. His wages are paid. So, for me to say 
I know that he's not Jesus Christ because he didn't save anyone. He killed people. That's pretty simple. Now, I'm not, I'm talking about rational thinking adults that are truly seeking, and you can see it in their life. You you notice it. You it becomes obvious. That's what I mean. And so, yeah, we could philosophically divide this and say there is a line. Of course, yeah, yeah. we could do that all day long. Right? Does, does love have a line? <laughs> write a write the song, Big question. Daddy. Write the song. Does love have a line? That's a good song. I don't right? think there is a line in love. <laughs> that sounds like Tom Jones can a little get, bit, right? Can we get like saxophones? But I won't do that. But May I won't do that. that. Yeah, we gotta, there's a line somewhere there with love go. that I ain't crossing. Well, there is for meatloaf. Meatloaf said. There. <laughs> yeah, meatloaf had a line. Clearly. Meatloaf had a line. Two out of three ain't bad. Something that I have discovered, you know, about you since I've gotten to know you just a little bit here is that you... I believe that you're sincere. And I think that that, you know, I think that that's, that's commendable to me. And I think, I think you are sincere. And I, I, the reason why I reached out initially is because I wanted to know why are you guys so mean, you know, and I, I see where you're coming from. Like I really do, but I see meanness on both sides. It's, I do. I see it. It's really, you have these statements of, that again, have unified 2000 years of, of church history that have unified billions and billions of billions the greatest scholars, movers, shakers of the world, uh, Western civilization, and all of these uh, Galileo, I mean, I could go down the list, are all wrong. Yeah. Sure. And that's, and, that's and you... You're living in a time right now. And, and you and a small group of people, now this is Joseph Smith, it's exactly what he did. He, the whole church is apostate, and he went off and started his other church. Fantastic. Start your own other church. Stop trying to hijack ours because we already have our defined limits. We've already, it's like joining the Masons and then you want to change the Masons. No, we're the Masons. This is our boundaries. These are our statements of faith. These are our rules. Mm -hmm. Start another Mason group or something. But so to go in and try to redefine what the church historically in all of her creeds, you, all of her, do every you think statement that way that's about ever been other written, institutions or just the church? Just, just the church. Just the church. Okay. Any, so other institutions can be. It's valid to like attempt to change the belief or system of other institutions, but just not the church. Not within what you find in definition. Okay. For example, so the church is like, but that just so the church is like somehow sacred though. It is, it is not to be changed. You can either take it or you been, can leave. We've it. been changed, but when you oh, so it has changed. So was sure, that, sure, was that definitely. good? Necessarily or bad or both. It's changed within but, uh, the boundaries. Okay, so there's, now so we there's can't set change. Boundaries. So now we don't change the church. Then. Well, it's changed the family. There's no boundaries. So if you take away all boundaries, okay. So, but that's not what change we're talking the family. about. Well, uh, any well, institution. Talking about pick the church. A, pick so, an institution. So we can't change the church anymore. But we did, and some of that change was good. But we're done with that now. There's changes that operate within set boundaries and with inside that boundary there's a whole lot of room so to like do a whole lot of things approved change you have to have boundaries and definitions that's the problem going on in epistemology okay. today is, then you got to get into that who gets to approve the approved change thing yep actually i asked that question the other day i was like how yep. do you change those things like if you if you how do you open know, the proverbial books again to say let's take a look at this particular thing like whenever Whenever the Westminster Confession of Faith was updated mm -hmm. to state that the Pope was no longer the Antichrist, right? When Still that, within the boundaries. 
Of the Westminster Confession of Faith. The whole church, everything. Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, doesn't make any difference. Well, the Roman Catholic were the Antichrist, so that couldn't be true. That's not within the boundary of the church. But that's never stated in the Nicene. The Nicene doesn't touch those issues. No, no, no. Okay. I'm just saying when they opened up the Westminster Confession of Faith and then they updated it, who opened the book? Like, who made the decision? This came about through a large consensus and through the uh, judicial aspects of the Presbyterian churches that were joining together in their synods and presbyteries. Yeah. But there has to so be So there was a process one. that yeah. was going on. We don't just say, let's get rid of the First Amendment of the Constitution. Let's just get rid of it. No, no, of course not. You have no, no, to have no, a process. There it's, is. Yeah, and I was— you Well, go see, and this. I know how the process works well within our U.S. Road. government. Yeah. I didn't know how it worked yeah. within yeah. the body of the church. Roe v. Wade became Roe v. Wade become to, one person— created that process. So you ask a good question. No, who, it was a coalition of people who well, gave it you, the name Roe. You're right. It was, it was a coalition a, of people who got together as one, a consensus. But one person started it. It did become a, a, like he's talking about, became a group of people. But it has to start somewhere with one. Yes. So he's at, he may ask a good question in the same principle. Who is the person that can start it or who would be the person that started it? Now, like every time I say who opened the books, like I always think of Revelation. Yeah. Where it's like, and then the, he opened the, the book, book and the books were open. And then I'm like, now that there's only one worthy enough to open those books and read yes, that, right? So right. I get that. That's the one I serve. It, but I'm talking about like as the church body, who makes yes. the decision to say, okay, let's open this up and talk about it. It's a good question. And I didn't know. Like who was like a big giant question. Are there people that signed this? Like when the Westminster was updated, was were there signers on that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there was somebody that led that, and then somebody that well, you have, there to have was people. judicious. Yeah, There's of course, people that's making these decisions. Right. It's people that we set in authorities that are police officers, judges, mayors, lawyers, whatever. Sure, and they have these credentials. Except in Christianity, you get laughed at if you have credentials. Yeah, I've been scorned because I've got a doctorate's degree, and we don't need that. I just need my Bible. Yeah, just read my Bible. Yep, and I hear your that Bible, a lot. the very Bible you got, came through. Scholars, scholarship, yeah, and, 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 the, and the institutions yeah. you abhor, you wouldn't have that. So the irony, I'd say, the contradiction is not to be lost. I was just watching that. I made it a point. It's really not irony; it's ignorance. It's, it's true <laughs> ignorance, and I don't mean in an ugly way. It's they just don't realize, like how hard it was to get, yeah. like the King James Bible. How hard was that? How much time was oh, spent? Just like people gracious. don't follow things out to their conclusion. Oftentimes, like us. <laughs> no, I mean like people, our government, um, people aren't following things back in history and learning things. History is there for us to learn from. You said yourself, oh, a historian of the church. Yes. Yep. You know, we have to learn from history. And, you know, we also have to follow things out to their conclusion before we change an entire society or an entire church or an entire way of thinking. Like, I know when you were going into preterism and when you were coming out of preterism, you didn't just say, okay, today I'm just going to be a preterist. Oh, okay, yeah, today right. I'm not going to be right, a preterist. Right. You, There was thought. There was, uh, what is the logical conclusion of this? And at some point you went, wait, this conclusion, it, do, it doesn't, it's not it doesn't come to an working, end. Right. So when you came out of it, you had to go back and look at history and what is the con- what did you think when you you would be here being called all the names that you've been called and and, and treated the way you've been treated by people who called you brother yeah, two yeah. years ago five years ago ten years ago um, I, to me one of the most unattractive things about Christianity and Andy I'm gonna 
put this on you here. Is the way the thing that's just the a, way, unattractive about Christianity is Andy. It's the way we treat <laughs> the way we treat one another when even even some small belief. The way we treat one another is not attractive to the outside world, especially online, especially it's easy to sit behind a computer and bang away mm. at someone and, and, and mar their reputation and, and whatever. But that's not attractive to even Andy, to the world. You know, and I, I think sometimes that's, and I know, I know there's a point where we've got to stand on what we consider to be truth. Mm-hmm. Whether I interpret the Bible a, a different way than he does, and he interprets it right, differently right. than you. I know that we have to stand on that truth, but we do need to do it bathed in love. And I don't see a lot of that, especially on social media, especially online yeah. with one another. And I don't do it all the time. I like, don't know I, anyone in, in, my, in my personal life, right. like I don't do it. And, and it's, it's, I see it's love more as an action. It's so if Michael Sullivan was in a ditch in a car or something, I'm going to pull over and help him and get him to the hospital and do everything that I can do. That's the action of, of, of love. That doesn't mean I got to agree with everything that, that no. he agrees with. So we're going through this even in our own culture. Yeah, in our society, we can't it's, it's have any disagreement you don't have to at be all. A Christian to see the division um, that's taking place in in politics, but history tells me this is nothing new. Right. We've seen this before. Yes. This yeah. has happened. Over in fact, especially 19th century, there were so many spawns of Christianity and visions of God and God telling me to do this. And they'd lead these little movements of a few thousand people and they'd stay for about 30 years. And then they just fragmented and started falling apart because it couldn't sustain itself. I'm saying that's going to happen. That is happening to these full predators groups. It's it's a movement. It's there. Um they have their little way, and then now it's it's starting to dissipate and fragment, just like many others, the Shakers, and you could Moravian, you could go down the list of groups that were really there, prominent. They're not here anymore. Yeah. So, but the Nicene Creed still is here. It's yeah, not going anywhere. So right. there's so a if, solidity to with, that, yeah. that kind of that kind of thing. You have movements in America. Constitution is still here, even if it's you agree if it's being enacted or not or being violated or not. Old argument always going on, but it's it's still here. So there has to be an anchor at some point where you say that that's that's the base, that's that's the foundation. You let that one go, you can marry your dog now. Yeah. Every anything goes, and nobody wants to say anything goes. I can believe that Jesus was a goat. That lived on Mount Boo Boo Boo. It's funny how many things lead to I could ha- marrying your dog. Apparently, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> apparently, right. a lot of things just like go directly. Well, there's actually to a group love. of people that do want to do those kinds of things. Oh, there's literally groups of people that yeah. do that, but yep. it's not anything to do with society. Some people just ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's well, it. We need so that on a t-shirt. So Some people just ain't right. Well, it's like the other day, Doug Wilson said, you know, because there are only fourteen preterists. 14 full predators, right? He said he wasn't going to deal with it because there were only 14, you know, and I, I made a t-shirt said the 15th preterist. Because, <laughs> because Larry the 15th yes. apostle is you? Yeah, Ricky Larry the 15th, the 15th preterist. Ricky the 15th so, preterist. <laughs> so well, my point is, is that, you know, I'll give you a, a, a pretty clear indicator of what I'm seeing in my life is I'm, I, I had a plumber come in out of nowhere who goes to a Baptist church. I go to a premillennial, premillennial Baptist church. 
you're going to find out there's a lot of people out there that actually ascribe to either partial or full preterist, and they are in churches all over the country. Now, there's a massive difference between partial and full preterist. Well, there massive is, but difference. even even partial preterists are inconsistent. Yeah, that's just been like around full forever. preterists are. But so full preterist and partial preterists are all inconsistent. Here's my issue. Dispensationalism is a very new kid on the street. Absolutely. But it's considered orthodox. Uh, it is accepted in orthodox. It's in the bounds. But it is not in the bounds. Sure it is. Absolutely not. What's it How- contradict? In the Nicene Creed, what's it contradict? In, well, okay. So we're going to hold everything to the Nicene Creed. That's the boundary. No, the Bible no. is the boundary. The Nicene Creed is not the boundary. The yeah. Bible is. Where'd you Sola get the Bible scripture. from? Not the Nicene Creed. <laughs> did, did, it, did it fall out of the sky or something? It was downloaded into our brains like the Matrix. Yes. No, we know where the Bible came from. What I'm saying is that even the I, creeds say sola scriptura. Even they say that. My point is, uh, my point isn't to argue about this point. We can get into that later. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I'm not going to start no, a land. No, the, just like the Bible says in Matthew five, "Blessed are the war makers." Oh, it doesn't say that. No. No, it says peacemakers. Yes. So is this the same Jesus that told the Pharisees they're sons of hell? The same Jesus. Okay. So yeah. I wanted to get that straight. Yeah, I'm not. I, I didn't say that Jesus was a love guru. Now these are the Pharisees that sold their whole lives to do everything to preserve the nation of the uh, of uh, Elohim Abraham, the God of Abraham. Their whole lives. Yes, are they did. To the and, their and whole Jesus, lives are devoted to what God said. And he stood on the temple of their and, and your sons of hell. So the. He he's actually having that conversation because they don't agree, they don't disagree about the Bible. They never never fight about the inerrancy of the holy scriptures, right? And or the historicity of the Moses. only problem they that they had that. is how they interpreted it. Right? They knew and it was Jesus drew a line, and he said, and he said "Your interpretation is so bad." Yes. Even though we agree on so much that you will that be that destroyed. You, right. He's the war maker, not me. Right. And so, well, and he brought it to them, and he what. You were about to say something. I'm sorry. If he's doing that. Yeah. And we're to imitate him. He doesn't tell you to go make war. He doesn't? He tells you to bring a sword, and then you lay it down. So when Paul says to stand up against those that are... Paul went to his death. And he says to remove those from the church, and that Hymenaeus and Philetus, their faith has shipwrecked. They're, it's like gangrene, which is one of the worst things you can have. These men are, that were former brothers are like gangrene. Yeah. So, so cut them that's off. pretty serious stuff. It you know, is, excommunication, get yeah, rid of them. That's not war. I think we're, well, I'm not talking about word war. I'm talking about war. Yeah. Like war. And there's souls like yourself that are peacemaker. You're, you're, yeah. You're, you know, there's different things for different kinds of things. And I think you balance out as we would balance out folks like yourself who are, Peacemaking people yeah. balance out us who see very clearly the lines. Yeah, we have to hold the lines. Mm-hmm. You have to love those on the other side. Yes, if a Nazi soldier gets shot, I will take him into the medic and get him some help. Yeah, even though he's a Nazi soldier, they right. did that. Uh-huh. The Christmas truce and all of this. Mm-hmm. Still an enemy. I'll love you. Yeah, but get in my line of fire. I'm going to shoot you. Yeah, that's not scriptural. So it's, it's you don't shoot people. Where it doesn't say that to do that. Well, I'm using the analogy. I understand. The, no, I understand. He's still my enemy, but we're not going to kill him. That's not. So, that's not our place. Let's get into that later. This is about your testimony. <laughs> Welcome to the Burrows. That's yeah. how we do it here. You know, we just get off on tangents. Why don't we wrap up your testimony? Because you're going to be on. You're going to be in the studio all day with us tomorrow. 
right? Yeah. For 27 hours straight. 27. Oh, my God. It's going to be like a Twilight <laughs> Zone. You guys all going to be here? Gonna this uh, uh, I don't know who I, I was going to I got to cut wood tomorrow. Oh, no. So, yeah. It got wood? Here. Okay. You'll be here? You'll be here. Oh, Ricardo yeah. will be here. Oh, yeah. Andy has to be here because we be pay here. him. <laughs> <laughs> there is an obligation there. Well, yes. can I just say that I appreciate you coming in? Yeah. To, I appreciate you having me. To coming down here. And um, my wife really liked you. She thought you were cool. I hope that you do bring your wife down. Yes. And um, I'd like for you to meet her. I think it would be great. But thanks for being on our show and sharing your testimony. And I look forward to these future talks we're going to have here. All righty. Where do you go to church now? What kind of church? Are you church. Presbyterian? Yep. Okay. Yep. In Knightstown, Bethel Presbyterian Church in Knightstown. I didn't mean you give me the exact name. I just I meant what kind yep. of church did you yep. choose to land in? You still yep. in Oklahoma? Indiana. Indiana. Yep. I said Oklahoma. Oh, I was just guessing. Gotcha. <laughs> just and like, guys, if you guys want to learn about uh, Dr. Sam Frost and some of his work, uh, can do you mind naming off a few of your books? Like I know about why I left full preterism. Why I left uh, the uh, Pharisee of the Son of Man and then that. Uh, book Daniel Unplugged. Yeah, Daniel Unplugged which is a translation and work of commentary so on Daniel. What I'm going to do I'm is studying Daniel now. He's got books for you book. guys. He's going to send us books back. He's going to sign them for you guys. So I'll get them for you. But what I'm going to do is, um, and this is uh, a book by Steve Gregg that you gave me for me. <laughs> so um, I will put a link on our, you know, on the paragraph there, guys. If you go back and look at it, it will be it will go to his Amazon. Do you have like another website that you? Yeah, Vigil.blog is where all my Little blog, I okay. Guess, for what all of that is, I'll need to get that link from you, and I'll put yep. that in the in the thing too, so everybody can look, we'll go do. and look, and and then everybody can start yelling at me, and screaming at me, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you are you prepared because you're about to take it from all oh, yeah. sides. I don't really yeah. care. I I want to. I don't. Rick's I want to get it from. I all will sides. say there's. An- <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I said this yesterday. We were at the store and. It, I'm a person, if I don't like a personality or something, I'll, I kind of let you know that we're not going to get along. Um, but when, what was your name again? <laughs> when I met Rick, I, there was a, almost an immediate kind of thing. And then over, uh, well, the first indication is that he mentioned Cracker Barrel. So that was the first time I was like, no, yeah. I like yeah. you. We're best friends. Yeah, we know how to eat. Friends. Did we just French become toast. best friends? Yeah. 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 Cool. Are we best friends? Is that stepbrothers? Yeah. So, you know they serve alcohol at them now. Well, Did you know that? Yeah, what? They, do they serve, serve alcohol at Cracker Barrel, Barrel now. You That's can get biscuits and gravy We're and a beer. Nine in year. the morning, you can have a fall stack. A full stack at a mimosa. Yeah. When Let's it comes to now. best friends, somebody does play the drums. Yes. <laughs> I can have them set up tomorrow. That's yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah. Just sure don't could. put your things on them. Yeah. Step brothers. Yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a way to get But a genuine, you know, I think there's a good friendship blossoming. Yeah, absolutely. There, so not afraid to say that. Yeah, same here. And uh, Billy, yo, you want to ask him the famous question? Oh yeah, let's let's yeah. do this. What so, is your oh. social security number? Yeah, exactly. That's your routing number. I still get that on Facebook. I just need your routing number and your. If you'll, give right it, if you'll give it to us, we'll send you a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, uh, Doctor Frost, when you're uh, when you when you die, when your body shuts down, what happens? Uh, uh my spirit okay. goes to be with the Lord in heaven. Like right then, right now. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. That's it. I'm in pretty good company there with that question. Yeah. So, to be absent from yeah. the body is present. Absent with the body, presence. Lord's Jewish. It's a Jewish teaching. Actually. Anything beyond that? You guys need to read First Corinthians chapter five again. That is not what it says. It is what it says. It is not what it says. Oh, okay. 
He says he would that Can he we would do that tomorrow. Let's do that tomorrow. Yeah. No, no, no. He would prefer. But I have to say, oh, 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 I'll say it on his testimony episode because probably more people will listen to this than all my other stuff. You ready? <laughs> so I had to, I had a discussion with Sarita in regard to my third day Adam. And she talked to me about the Spanish plu perfect okay, tense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I am in agreement. I talked with Dr. Frost about this as far I as Hebrew is concerned. I contacted a Hebrew scholar because I wanted to yep, know. Yep. Because it was really bothering me, and I couldn't make it make sense, so I got my Spanish Bible out. Have had had. Have had had. Yeah. Yes. So whenever she mentioned that, we we talked for hours about all kinds of things, but she brought that up, and I just listened really close, and I thought, you know what? You're right. And so, but of course, I'm right too. And here's how I'm right. Are you ready? I beg you for somebody to change my English Bible to read it in the pluperfect way so that I can get the grasp of what the Hebrew actually means. So in, in other words, whenever you're reading it in English and it says, and the man was lonely, and so God formed the animals and brought them to the man. In that order in English, it sounds like he was lonely, so God made animals and brought them to the man, right? That is not what it means. Yep, that's what it Be- sounds like. But that's not what it means. In English, yeah. In English. Right. What it, what it actually means with the pluperfect is this, and, and man was lonely, and the, and the animals that God had made— Yep. He brought to the man. That's how it should be said in the English, but huh. that's not how they translate it. That's how it's said in the Spanish. But they have to say it that way in order to, because you're translating this language, they have to put it this way in order to stay to the language, right? Th- these rules that they go have. go on there with what translation is. Yeah, it's a problem with translation is, are you trying to translate to the letter right, right, or right. to the, what is it, the intent of the The vibe? intent, right. Yeah, the intent or the letter, because they're not the same. Yeah, we've talked about that like so in the law, the right? The spirit of the law right. versus the letter of the law. What right. was the consensus we came up with in Virginia? That English Yeah, sucks. English sucks, yeah. We need a new translation. I just, that's what I was saying is I was like, hey, don't say that, man. My King James Bible is perfect. Well, I love the King James Bible more than anybody. I love to quote it. It's a wonderful translation. It is. It's an amazing translation, but that's not my point. In that Bible, it still says it in that way, and so I don't yeah. get that. And to me, I'm like, Adam was made on day three if you read it in the English Bible, period. No, it's not true. Look at the first chapter. Nope. Actually, what it does is it makes you want to question what the image of God is. Now I've got to go do a study on that word, and I pull out my concordance, and I'm taking it out of context, and I'm reading a single word without all the other words surrounding it. Now I've got all these new meanings. Yep. Somebody please translate this Bible in my language so that I can understand what it actually means. Yeah, but in from chapter the... two, it, it's not just that one spot that it's all. If it's wrong, then it's messed up in a lot. In it's messed two. up in several spots, according sure. to this Hebrew scholar. That's the what he says. It's like, all I'll, through chapter it's two. It's all through chapter huh. two, which makes you rethink. Fun. I. I and it makes me excited because now I want a shirt that says, I know what a blue perfect is. So I, I go, oftentimes I'll go home and my poor husband and I'll say, this is what we talked about tonight. And he'll go, that's not right. And I'm like, it's okay, wrong. well, pro- prove that to me in the Bible. I was like, to my in my spirit, I didn't feel that that was right. But I was like, I- I'm going to do a little more research on that. But because I'm a Sp- I was a Spanish major, I oh. know about that past tense. That's wow. how that they use that. And they also use it in the feet. They also have a pluperfect. Spanish is crazy. So mm-hmm. you have both. And so it gets really wacky when you start trying to, to, to separate those two yeah. out. But, yeah. you know, he was like, 
see if you can find a Hebrew scholar online. So that's what I did. And I, well, I asked and he, cause Good he couldn't make, girl. he couldn't make it make sense either. And he, I even came back to Rick and said, well, he meant plants and crops versus shrubbery. Yeah. But, you and I talked about that. But no, it's the plue perfect that made, right. cause my way didn't make, make sense either. And you've already read the first part of the story. Yeah. So reading as one that reads Hebrew. So yes, it's once you see the, it's, it's not uh, verbs are not uh, tense. Ba- a lot of grammarians want to get away from the whole tense thing with Greek and and because it's just what well, we are so tense time based. Yeah, it's very difficult. So when you see things, the time is at hand. But one of the funny things this Hebrew. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be coming tomorrow because we're going to talk about time and time at hand. But and you time can have it. You yeah. can even have Adam knew his wife and they had a son, uh, had had a son. So Cain's born before they sinned. Mm-hmm. It's quite possible. Well. It's funny because the Hebrew scholar said, well, let me preface this by saying there are about five different ways to to interpret that. And I thought, even among the Hebrew scholars, there's a difference. He goes, but I I am part of a Hebrew scholastic whatever. And I was like, I don't even know what that is, but all right. Um, So anyway, that's sort of, so even they have the way they interpret it Mm -hmm. is, is different and they have different factions, if you will, of the way they interpret it. But he says most, the majority of Hebrew culture believes the pluperfect. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, which makes it great. That was a that was a really good moment for us, wasn't it? We had a good time. We That's did. cool. Thank you for bringing that back around. And I'm so glad that she did the work. I'm so glad that she did the work. Like that was very kind of her to like actually go. She actually sent me an email and I didn't respond, but I didn't know I had it, so she thought I was mad at her. I was like, "Did you get mad at me?" I don't ever get mad. Email. Not like that, anyway. I get mad. At, I used to get mad at my kids, but anyway. Yeah. But anyway, I just thank you. If Dr. I want to tell him something, I got to text it. Yeah. <laughs> he's awesome. Well, thank you, Doctor Frost. I really appreciate you being on the show. And thank uh, you. Yeah, and Billy, Rick, and you ain't got a joke. I don't. I don't have a joke today. I will have seven tomorrow. I will bring one. You bring a joke tomorrow. Do you have a joke? I might have a joke. Let's hear it. Okay, let me see if I can remember. <laughs> you have any dirty jokes? No. <laughs> Y'all did, did that on the last episode. Yeah, Excuse me very was... much. That comedic one was like off the chain, dude. It were. I got so, I got a lot of <laughs> little messages. Like my favorite. My favorite, <laughs> my favorite quote. I even sent it. Did you see in this? My favorite quote. Let's read it, Andy. Oh, oh, oh is that one you texted the, yeah, to me earlier? Yeah, read it. <laughs> this on, is Andy's on, quote. We were talking about the Philistines, or yeah. about how David um, it didn't have to bring a dowry because Saul said, "Bring me the foreskins of hundred Philistines," right. and and then so David goes out and kills two hundred Philistines and brings two hundred foreskins back to him. I just read that this morning. Yeah, what time. did it say, Andy? It, so apparently, my quote was, "It sounds about right." So he didn't have a lot of money, but what he did have was the ability to commit mass murder and mutilate a lot of dead bodies. <laughs> and I put it out as a quote, and it said, "Andy Bishop." <laughs> <laughs> That's your first. I got you a quote That's in my perfect. book. It'll be in the book. I know? stand behind it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we are going to have a lot more Sam Frost on the show in the coming weeks. They're not going to be on every Thursday. I'm probably going to start releasing these maybe on like wacky Wednesdays. We have TZ on a Tuesday. Then I'm, I'll probably, these will be special episodes that will not be part of our normal Thursday episodes. Oh. 
Frosty Friday. Oh, there you go. That's cool. What do you think? Frosty Fridays? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that works. sounds good. We'll put them out on Fridays then. Thanks to you. <laughs> Frosty to go, Friday. <laughs> Great. About time you Me. show up. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. The face of radio. Yeah. <laughs> because, exactly. because Frosty is ice cold, son. <laughs> oh, if you don't believe me, read yeah. his Facebook. He is ice cold. Anyway, thanks everybody. And we will talk to you guys again next time on the Burrows of Berea. Peace Later. out. Bye. Hey guys, this is Rick from the Burrows of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea, you'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys.